Welcome to A Commander Throne, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing Star Trek Discovery episode, What's Past is Prologue. And it was really good? Yes. There were many, like, it was very full episode. Mm-hmm. L- lots of action. And several things got resolved. And then... Again, there was a bit of a twist at the end. And a cliffhanger. I guess so, yeah. But only for a week. Yeah. And they only have two more episodes left in the season, and I'm really curious to see what is going to play out here. I would like everyone to know that my prediction for what episodes would be in the Mirror Universe and what episodes would be back in our universe was 100% correct. Possibly the only thing I've said on this podcast that was 100% correct. So, there we go. Just wanted to lay it out there. (laughs) Yes, Kate was 100% correct about this. I was all wrong about this. So, should we just... I don't think we have any announcements this week. Unless there's anything you want to announce. No? Okay. No. So, let's just get straight into it. Well, first of all, what was your favorite thing about this episode? Oh, my favorite thing about this episode... Oh, that's a tough one. Um, uh, okay, so my favorite thing about this episode was probably how beautifully it was shot. My favorite thing also, the cinematography. Yes. I'm, like I said before on the show, this is not my area of expertise, but there were some really amazing parts that just... I can't, I don't have words. Yes, it was really great. Um, one of my least favorite things was also one of the special effects at the end, which I think is just going to age poorly. So, which one? Oh, at the very end, after the spore drive is, like, going down, and they follow this little tiny spore as it floats through the air and lands on Tilly's shoulder. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, it didn't bother me at all. Hmm. Little tiny thing. It's fine. Okay, so uh, they didn't really leave us hanging about whether Lorca was a good guy or a bad guy. No, they got right to it. They had yeah, a lot a of... Asshole. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of ground to cover. So let's just take out all of the uncertainty. I mean, as he's freeing the prisoners, there was maybe like a few seconds of uncertainty. Yeah, but no. But then it was pretty clear. <sighs> oh, well. So, And we didn't get to see our universe of Lorca, so I don't know what... I guess we're losing Jason Isaacs next season? I guess so. That is how it seems to be, yeah. I mean, I don't know how they could have redeemed his character. Unless they swapped him with the other mirror, like... Unless they swapped them so that we got Prime Universe back. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, but even then, in a sense, I feel like that would have been cheating. I guess. So, yeah, just sometimes bad things happen to bad people. Oh, no, that's fair. I liked what happened with Lorca in this episode. (laughs) I just liked Jason Isaacs and wanted him back next season. Well, yes, I do like Jason Isaacs, too. I will say this does continue Jason Isaacs' long tradition of playing uh, horrible bastards. Always. I've seen one movie where he played two characters and one of them wasn't a bastard. Okay. Well, with that ringing endorsement. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's go keep going into the other parts of the show. 
Okay. Uh, so I was happy to see Landry, like, because I had mentioned last week that I wished we'd seen her. So that was exciting. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I will say it was pretty remarkable how everybody just, like, popped out of their torture yeah. chambers and were like, after, we're ready for combat. Yeah, after, what, almost two years? Was it? I thought it was 212 days, did he say? I couldn't tell if he was saying one year and 200 days or if he was just saying 200 days. Okay. So That's either fair. almost one year or almost two years. But I feel like... Wasn't Michael in jail for a year, and then she met up with Discovery? No, like six months. Oh, okay, so then it probably was the 200 days. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was cool that they brought Landry back. I didn't feel like her Mirror Universe character was wholly different from her Prime Universe character. To be fair, we didn't get to know her Prime Universe character very well. True. That is true. But, yeah, she pretty much just took orders from Lorca in both universes. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, she was cool. And then I actually really liked how Michael didn't get involved in the politics. She was just like, I need to contact Discovery. We need to get home. Oh, like she wasn't going to try and, like, fix things here? Yeah. That I is true. That I, I was happy about that because I think that would have been way too complicated and blah, blah, blah. But what about the very end with Georgia? Where she grabbed... That was purely emotional. That was her just being like, I couldn't grab her last time when Saru was beaming me out. This time I can. I know, but I feel like she messed that up again. Oh, yeah, no, 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 she did. That's gonna like, come back and bite the fuck out of her. But like, I understand just... it from an emotional point of view. That's true. I mean, the show is trying to play these two sides like... Uh, destiny and free will and logic and emotion. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're doing a tremendously good job with it. But like on this one, on the one hand, you have Burnham saying like, I choose my path. Uh, I get to pick. And he doesn't control me. Destiny doesn't control me. But then she seems to keep making the same choices over again. Like, I'm going to once again betray this captain. I don't think she betrayed anyone so, in this episode. I think the Emperor was very resolved to stand and die on her feet. That that was the way that she was choosing to do things. And that by grabbing her and beaming her out, she's once again betrayed the character of uh, the Emperor. Hmm. Like, did you see the look she gave her when oh, yeah, came no, back? No, I, don't, like, I don't think she's happy about it. But... I didn't really see it as a betrayal. Okay. Well, we'll see how they resolve that. Yes. I liked that they just left Vockler and Laurel completely out. I did too, because they didn't really have a, a place in this particular uh, plot. But then mm. there were a bunch of other things that I felt like, like at the end of last episode when Stamets woke up. Mm-hmm. Like, evil Stamets or mirror Stamets woke up and, like, seemed so driven and full of purpose. But then that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I feel like there was a bunch of other things that I was just like, so, what's happening? What's happening like, there? The whole thing with the other ship, which I guess was just a ploy, like, the other Federation ship, 
to get on to the Emperor's Star, but that just, again, that just seems like wasted time now. Yes. Like the time when they were in the Shenzo traveling there. Mm-hmm. And she had to kill that other crew member, and they had they had the whole bit of the Harlack and yeah, seeing like, Sarek. Why and why wouldn't they have just called up the Emperor and said, hey, I've got Lorca? Right. Well, and especially, well, he would have known because he was from that universe. But, I mean, that's pretty much what happened eventually anyways. Mm-hmm. Except she called them. So I, I don't see why that just wasn't the, the first plan other than, you know, having to orchestrate things so that Butler could be revealed and blah, 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 blah. And trying to get all the, the information and, like, undecrypt it. And, I mean, I guess Lorca was still playing his part. Mm-hmm. That he can't just be like, oh, no, no, I know I know where the unredacted file is. It's okay. <laughs> Might have been too obvious. I don't know. I, it just feels like a whole bunch of wasted episodes now. Hmm. I'll have to go back and rewatch it and see how it plays through. They certainly put a lot in so that you don't really have time to process all the action. Mm-hmm. Which could be just a bit of a false sense of conflict. This is true. And they keep promising us and promising us that Culber will come back. I haven't looked at any of the official Star Trek accounts or After Trek or anything like that to see anything about that. So I just want him back. I, I really want him back, too. I don't want him to be dead. No, okay, well, we can actually talk more about how I think that's going to play out at the end. Okay. Okay. Or let's say how I'm hoping that's going to play out. Right. One of the things I thought was really cool was the crew of the Discovery, mm-hmm. after Michael's transmission that said that Lorca's a Terran, they were just like, okay. And Saru totally stepped up into a leadership position. Yeah, Saru was great in this episode. He really was. And then the whole Discovery crew started transitioning back from their mirror universe fake uniforms. Mm-hmm. And that was when Tilly switched to the not accepting a no-win solution. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice little, you know, effect. I might be reading too much into it, but I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah, no, I liked everything that happened with the crew on the Discovery Day. It was great. I loved Saru's speech. I I loved how much everybody just stepped up and was like, well... We're doing this. And at one point it was like, well, I guess we're not going home. And then, well, I guess we're going to die. And then, like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And everyone was just great. Yes, yes. The With a little more time on screen, I thought a lot of the supporting characters were a little bit better this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember most of their names. Right now seems like a really good time to point out that one of our Twitter listeners, our Twitter followers... <laughs> It's okay, mm-hmm. I can I can talk, really. One of our Twitter followers, uh, Steve Supersonic Jeffrey at Zinkstoat, he sent us an article that gives a little bit of outline on some of the bridge crew. And I've only had a chance to skim it yet, but thank you so much for sending that along. I will definitely read more about them, and I hope that we'll see a lot more of them in the future episodes. Me too. After this episode, I can see Saru as captain. 
Me too. Yes. And I liked like, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the end, when they were doing the flyby and the shooting at the core, he, again, was totally taking command of that situation and giving orders. And you could see that the crew really had a good cohesion, that they were all working together and had trust in each other. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. It felt very Star Trek. I, I like to think that because we don't really see any other of Suru's species, the name of which I forget. Mm-hmm. Kelpians. Um, Kelpians, there we go. So I like to think that he's some sort of inspiration to them all. Right. You know, I like want- little Kelpians learn about him in school as the one who joined the Federation and rose through the ranks. And Right. It would be cool if we got to have a episode where he goes home kind of idea. And we see more Kelpians and how they deal with him. And that would be cool in the future. Mm-hmm. Did you completely buy that the captain, or not the captain, uh, that the Emperor Giorgio would just go along with Michael with her plan? To a point. Okay. I don't really see... Well, I guess if she thought she was going to die anyways. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see why she would have let her take down the shield over the core or whatever. With zero gonna... explanation. Yeah, because that's just going to blow up the ship. And I don't see why Michael thought there was any situation in which they were going to blow up the ship and the Emperor would live. Like, even if she hadn't been willing to sacrifice herself there at the end. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing was kind of poorly written, I thought, but... Whatever. I was just happy to see them working together. And it was a good callback to the beginning when they were fighting together on the Klingon ship. Yes, it was a very mirrored sort of fight scene, I thought. Mm -hmm. And and like I said before, this time she was able to transport her out. Which, Mm -hmm. and I think that that mirroring is why she really wanted to. And not not because she thinks it's going to turn out well. Right, right. God, what is Giorgio going to do in the Federation space? I have no idea. Like, is it going to be that we have regular trips to the brig to visit all these random people they've picked up? Maybe Michael thinks she can educate her? I don't know. Now I'm just picturing a brig scene where there's, like, Laurel and the Emperor, and they can't see each other. But they're, like, talking between their cells or something like that. Oh, God. There's two people you don't want in the same room. <laughs> no. Oh, Either no. they'll kill each other or they'll form the most unholy alliance that has ever been seen in all the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Actually, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> a little known secret about Klingon uh, political history is that for a brief time it was led by a, a human emperor. Really? Put into place by Laurel. Oh, oh, sorry, you're joking. <laughs> you sounded so serious at the beginning there, and I don't know anything, so I was like, what? <laughs> now everybody knows how gullible Caitlin is, so... Oh, you could play that as you, and now everybody knows how convincing Jen is. Um, sure. <laughs> sure, let's, let's go with that one. Okay. Um, let's see. What else do we definitely want to talk about? Well, Lurk is dead now. Yes. 
So I guess we have found out that he is indeed an evil person and all of his mysteriousness is gone. Mm-hmm. And then he died. Yes. Which is really the best outcome because, oh God, he was so creepy in this episode. Ugh. He really was. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. No, I know. Did you see the gif that yeah. Rachel sent us? Yeah. <laughs> Commenting on Pillow Talk? With Doug. Oh, Doug, Doug from from Up in a cone of shame. But yes, we are all sad that he turned out to be a evil, lecherous, I don't, I don't even know how to properly describe it. I was really hoping, like, Mm -hmm. until obviously they brought up him seducing his daughter, that he wanted to take back the emperor, the empire for good. Like, for goodness. The purposes of good? Yes. Yeah, he got a really good speech about basically, like, a really regressive way of rulership. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the might is right and people need to know their place and that's when they're happy and and commenting that the Federation was a failed social experiment. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that his time in Federation space didn't affect or change him at all. It really didn't seem to, did it? No. I mean, he even at the end was saying, you know... He knows there's no chance that he would sway any of the Discovery crew members out of their cult-like devotion or something to the Federation. Mm-hmm. And I just don't get it, like, that he didn't... He didn't have any affection for them at all? Well, I guess he kind of did. He was willing to let them go. Yeah, and he did say that they were very skilled and it was good to work with them and things like that. But, I don't know, it just seems like his character could have used a bit of conflict. Inner conflict. Right. But but I guess to really dive into all that, we would have had to be in the mirror universe a lot longer. Probably. Maybe there'll be a really good book about it. Maybe. Although, again, now, I mean, the whole bit with him sleeping with his gun, that makes total sense now in this, from this backstabbing world of backstabbingness. Definitely. And the whole, like... Him having scars and seeming really different than the Admiral remembered. Mm-hmm. And all of that kind of makes way more sense. Yeah. Him being willing to go and rescue Sarek against, like, without orders from the Federation. Because it was important to Michael. Yeah. And his really not wanting to send her over onto the Klingon ship. Yep. And his talking to her about maybe not getting into a relationship. Oh, I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. See, all of those things make a lot more sense now. And did you I see ha- him mm-hmm. in the battle at the end uh, when Landry was fighting Michael? Did you see him slash Landry? Oh, yeah. Uh, was that Landry? Yep. Because I thought it was Landry, but then we saw Landry later. Yeah, but it was like, her. it was she was getting up and like holding at her back. So I think that was her and he just like slashed her to take her out of the fight Mm. and she was injured Uh, she seemed 100 percent fine later so i thought maybe it was somebody else she could have been but i'm pretty sure it was her and i'm pretty Mm. sure she just was acting too well at the end for her injuries like i like it i like the plot better if it's her that he Mm -hmm. 
slashed away from Michael. Because that makes more sense than just a rando. And Michael was fighting Landry, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as it skews me out, from a, like, writing point of view, I kind of enjoy it, if that makes any sense. Like, I like the dynamic that they wrote. Right. If that makes yes. any Not that I'm encouraging that behavior, but I right. like the, the good, evil... The, they're, yeah, it makes for good television. Especially mm-hmm. since he got stabbed with a sword at the end. Yes. By the Emperor. Mm-hmm. I like... Well, it is very strange that there was a lot of sword fighting in this Star Trek episode. Yeah, I have certain issues with that, too. Um, on the one hand, like a, a knife or a blade uh, injury, I've read is a sign of a crime of passion. Like, it's more personal. So, from, like, a psychological standpoint, especially at the end when Giorgio is fighting and she gets the knife, and they're both kind of, like, fighting with knives against each other, mm-hmm. that kind of made sense because there was some really deep emotions there. It wasn't just, I'm fighting random guard. It was, I'm fighting and trying to kill this guy who betrayed me and seduced my daughter figure. So that kind of made sense, but just from like a technological standpoint, when you have weapons that can just obliterate people, mm-hmm. that's where it's like, why would you bring a sword to that gunfight? Exactly. I get that the Emperor has a ceremonial sword. That mm-hmm. makes sense. But yeah. where did all these other knives and stuff come from? Why aren't people just shooting each other? I get that it makes for better television and that's the actual answer, mm-hmm. but still... And I guess, too, like, in the turbo lift, when Michael first got to the Shenzo, and the captain that replaced her then attacked her, for close quarters battles like that, I guess it does make a certain amount of sense. Or, like, if you don't want to be setting off alarms on a ship, then it might make sense for people to have a personal weapon. Or not, because then it makes it easier to not set off alarms on ships when they kill people. Yes. But in the backstabbing sort of political structure of the mirror universe, they encourage that sort of thing. I guess. Now, should we talk about the reveal at the very, very end? Uh, or do we need the... to talk about Simets and Culber and, and the spore? Well, I just want... Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. They come back, right? It's nine months later. The Klingons have won the war. There's got to be some time travel, right? Yeah, that was part of the original plan, was that Stamets had hypothesized that he could bring them back to right after the point that they left. So I'm thinking if there's some time travel, there might be some potential to get Culber. Yes, but if we do it that way, then there's all these sorts of problems of physical time loops and coexistence with previous discoveries and different problems with that that's why i have problems when shows use time travel because you have to really go at it with everything thought out and a lot of times shows just throw it in there as a plot device which i dislike now there's a possibility maybe stamets will go back into the spore network and do something there that i would be fine with but i don't want them now to be like oh now we're back and the klingons have won the war so we'll just 
figure out a way to use the spore drive to just time travel back so we don't have this problem and we won't and we'll have to save the the federation because that seems like it's too too gimmicky i hear what you're saying but i feel like if the war had been oh the klingons won and then and then like a lone federation ship came back from nowhere and saved us all i mean that's kind of gimmicky too a and b um good point like they would have it i get that this is a prequel but it would have affected more like you would have heard about it later if that's what had happened right right like you know Mm -hmm. so i feel you go sorry i was gonna say you're right then their only choice is (laughs) use the time travel gimmick see it was funny because Every step of the way, we've also been having to figure out when is the spore drive going to be taken out, because we know that they don't have that technology in the future. And so it was like, okay, well, you know, Stamets goes into a coma, and you you can't do this without a navigator, and maybe something there will change. And then it was like, well, no, now he's back. And then in the mirror universe, they were like, oh, they were poisoning the spore network. So then I was like, oh, maybe that's how they'll do it. It'll be like... The, the spore network can no longer be used for this kind of travel because mm-hmm. it's killing the spore network. But then they kind of like fixed it in the last episode. And so now it's like, is it going to end up being a, a deliberate ethical choice to abandon the technology because of the potential for time travel and messing with timelines and things like that? That's very Federation in Star Trek that could be it or is there going to be something else that they throw in now with two episodes left i can see where perhaps now that Lorca's not there to be the driving force behind it they could very easily like if they do go back in time fix everything or you know what i mean like not that mm-hmm. easily mm-hmm. they could just lie about it even they could just say oh yeah no we it got destroyed because Lorca's not there to keep them, er, to, well, to be Lorca. Right. I don't see them lying about it. I would see Saru making a strong recommendation that because of the potential damage to the entire universe, if it's exploited, that it's a technology that has to be abandoned and just, you know, basically redacted from official records to try and prevent people from exploiting it in the future. That's going to be my prediction. That's the route that they go. I don't know if I can see these Stamets giving it up. Mm. Or at least giving up working on it. You know, maybe he doesn't want to use right. it anymore. But I can see him wanting to continue studying it. Right. Especially if they don't get Culber back. Right. Possibly. So maybe I could see him lying to Saru and saying it's broke. Right. Or or telling... Or lying Saru. and saying I'm not working on it anymore. Yeah, and and through officially saying it should be redacted, like you said, and then Stamets keeping studying on it. And that way they have it in their back pocket if they want to use it in the future. Right. So the next episode is The War Without, The War Within. So I assume we deal with the war and and we get back to some Valkler and Laurel stuff. I'm assuming, yep. Seems like a safe assumption. And then do you think they're going to go back and try and fix it in this next episode? Or do you think... I know. The last episode is called Will You Take My Hand? Which really doesn't give me anything. Hmm. That's... 
I'm trying to decide if they might time travel at the end of this episode. And then Will You Take My Hand is perhaps getting Culber back. Maybe. But that seems like there might not be enough for that last episode. I presume Valkler has to die. Mm. Right? Because he can't, he can't be a Klingon and he can't be a human. Yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do with him. If they're going to try and give him an opportunity to integrate. I guess... No yeah, clue. We didn't, yeah, we, didn't, we haven't seen him since Lorel did whatever she did, so we'll have to wait and see how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who knows what that lattice was going to be. But they've been really... They've con- been continually raising the stakes in this last half of the ep- season. Mm-hmm. And there's been so much that's happened... I kind of don't know what is going to happen. Like, how can you make season two more than this? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be more if they make it completely different. That's true. And they did say season two was going to be more about science and feel more like classic Star Trek. And explore some different storylines. So that could be... This could be a no-holds-barred attempt to get lots of viewers sucked into a new show. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where they do go next. I mean, gosh, I hope the crew gets a break after all this. You know, like some shore leave. (laughs) How disappointed would the season finale be if that's what it meant? Will you take my hand? The crew is on leave. They have a party. Oh my god, that'd be great. Like, straight-up Citadel DLC. That is an intense Mass Effect joke that, like, five people listening are gonna get. But it's hilarious. <laughs> is there anything else we need to talk about? I don't think so. I'd like to reiterate that the cinematography was beautiful. It was amazing. They did a fabulous job. Yeah, the direction was great. Everything, all the technical mm-hmm. stuff was really good in this episode, I thought. Mm-hmm. And it had really good science-y Star Trek bits mm-hmm. where the crew was yes. working together and just, like, figuring out a way to save the day without using just exploding things. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was good. There wasn't really any Easter eggs and nitpicks, though there was one tiny, tiny thing that kind of tickled me this episode. They added texting into the old communicators. Did they? <laughs> There's this one scene where they're in the... Uh, Lorca and Landry and their troops are in the throne room. And she flips open her old-style Star Trek communicator, and nobody talks, but she stares at the screen and then says, you know, oh, they're on their way here. Or something like that. And it's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, thank you. Right texting into the future. I didn't even really notice that. I it was a teeny tiny thing. I don't blame anyone else for missing it. But yeah. Now we have a whole bunch of uh listener feedback and comments that we've gotten on Twitter this week. So I'm just gonna go through them. We actually got two shout outs this week on Twitter. Uh a Twitter user Ion Trone. Uh, he's compiling a giant list of Star Trek Discovery podcasts, and he had us on the list. Uh, he called us insightful, Kate. I don't know if that's true about me, 
but... <laughs> I try to be insightful, but... I'm happy to call you insightful. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so that was a really great shout out. And then it was good to take a look through the other Star Trek podcasts, which I sadly haven't had time to fit any new ones in this week to check them out. Ms. Myra also sent us another uh, podcast suggestion as well, which I will try and check at least one new podcast out this week. And then the other shout out was by Twitter user, uh, Laura at Laura underscore S. Berry. And she jumped into a conversation about women liking sci-fi. And so she was like, uh, you know, she brought us up as an example of a podcast because she loves sci-fi because she likes Star Trek Discovery. Yay. So, yes, definitely women do enjoy sci-fi just as much as men do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we had some conversation last week following last week's podcast just talking about you know how everybody was gutted that Culber died and that was between Laura and us and Rachel at Gypsy Book Nerd and then for this week's episode we also had a few people uh, tweet at us Uh, so from Matthew Vos he said it was really good but I have a feeling of dissatisfaction with some of the plotting. They want to have all the big moments, but some of the ordinary stuff makes less sense and feels rushed. A bit like the wolf inside, Stamets being left dead, etc. Any thoughts on that? Well, I I couldn't think of any specific thing. I wish he'd included some specifics in this episode, because I was like, like what? I kind of get the feeling of dissatisfaction, because it just feels like each episode has, like I said, raised the stakes, raised the stakes, have a twist. All these action moments, one after the other, after the other, after the other. I, but I, I, I want to tease it out a bit more. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I get it in that sense. I don't get mm-hmm. it in, I don't personally get it in, like, the ordinary stuff making less sense. Like, I also think that a lot of plot threads have just been abandoned. Like, what even happened to the rebels? Were they just blown up? Did anybody survive? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, are we ever going to get back to the Pavians? <laughs> ever? Yeah. Like, all these things that just sort of get left behind. So that, I totally get feeling dissatisfied on. Um, I don't, I don't personally see any of the, at least in this particular episode, any of the ordinary stuff that made less sense. Like, okay. so that particular tweet, I would have liked some. Uh, A little more clarification on? Yes. And I meant to ask him. And then I didn't, because it's very early for me. Yes. Well, maybe Matthew will find some time to write us an email or tweet some more at us. Yes, um, Matthew, you could just write us an essay. <laughs> um. But it's a, it's a fair, uh, like, in the past episodes of Discovery, there have been a few things where the plot has seemed um, poorly written in some cases. Some things didn't make sense. Like, why you would put people with uh, PTSD in command and battle situations. I kind of wish they'd shown... Oh, sorry, every single person's name just left my brain. Uh, <laughs> Lorca, oh, there we go. Okay. Um, having known pro- uh, Mirror Universe's Tyler, because that would have made a little bit more sense. Right. 
right? Like if that Tyler was part of his um, cadre. Yeah. There was one moment actually in this week's episode where they showed a dead soldier on the floor and I had to go back and rewind it because for a split second I saw Tyler's face there. I kept seeing it too, like on so many people because I think I was looking for it, you know, I wanted it. So I just kept seeing him kind of everywhere and then I was like, oh, I guess not because I guess the dim lighting, dude. The dim lighting necessary in the mirror universe doesn't lend itself well to making people look clear. Anyways. Um, so Matthew, we, we kind of get what you mean, and we'd love to talk more about it with you. And Make sure um, there's a theme and a concluding <laughs> paragraph, three different examples. <laughs> we'll talk, Matthew. It's all good. Yeah. Um, Carrie at We Do Words also tweeted us. Uh, it was mostly that the episode was so good, and oh my goodness, that shot, and she didn't want to spoil anything. <laughs> But clearly, she really enjoyed the episode as well. And uh, um, just sort of as a note on the great like direction and cinematography and everything, I was very spoiled on um, Lorca turning out to be just one hundred percent evil because somebody I follow on my personal Twitter, I guess, came across a picture of Jason Isaacs covered in blood and holding the sword and looking really badass. And she tweeted that picture and was just like, this is so cool. Or Jason Isaac looks so cool here. And I was like, great. Thanks. This is not at all where I was expecting spoilers to come from. I tried really (laughs) hard this week. (laughs) But there he is with the Emperor's sword. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) So, yeah, good shots and stuff this week. Poor Kate. Spoilers everywhere she looks. It's like three episodes in a row I've gotten spoilers on. It is. It is. So one final tweet from this morning was from Rachel at Gypsy Book Nerd on Twitter. And she says, I am seriously concerned that what we saw of Culber in the network is the last we will see of him. So now I am torn between feeling like he was fridged and feeling like this gay was so buried. I mean, I don't think it's a torn. It's it's both. Yeah. Although, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if I would call it fridged, because I don't think he was killed for his love interests, plot development, or character development. Well, and he wa- his death didn't spurn Stamets on to action. Yeah. I mean, it was like definitely... It's not- it was definitely bearing your gaze, and is terrible, and if they don't bring him back, I will be very, very, very upset, and I'm still kind of upset that they did it in the first place, but mm-hmm. yeah. One of the things that popped into my head, which may be misapplying it actually is when the scenes of Culber in the network and he's whispering to Q and I almost felt it was a bit like an application of manic pixie dream guy like I'm gonna be your muse now and I'm gonna be like I don't know anyway like I said I might be totally misapplying that particular trope as well but yeah dislike the burying your gaze and I don't usually hope for time travel, Kate, but I don't think I have any choice but to hope for time travel and that they go back and fix it and bring them back. Damn you, Star Trek. I mean, time travel is the only thing that makes sense. They've got the spore drive. They overshot. It's the only thing that makes any sense. But they don't have spores because they use their store of spores. But the spore, the network's been, they can get more. Can't they? I wouldn't. Well, they were growing spores. Oh, that might be the importance of that shot showing that one spore landing on Tilly. Is 
think that once. might be like they find a spore to start growing some more. Wasn't this weren't the spores alive at the very end? Wasn't Stamets walking through them? No, that On was the in the middle. Ship? No, that was... I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm talking about. That was in the middle when he came in to find that like their own yep. Um, yep. forest yep. of spores would was killed. But like, wouldn't they grow again? Is what I'm saying when they grow back. That's true, but that that might also force some time to pass between when they go back in time. Mm. So they might have to evade some Klingons here. So. I guess we will see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will see. Um, should we do a fortune cookie? Sure. Okay. I'm going to be one short. We have to find a fortune cookie somewhere. Oh, and there's no fortune cookies in this city. <laughs> yeah, it won't be very hard. I'll just, like, get Chinese food the day before at, at work. There you go. Okay, so who's the fortune for? Hmm. No, that's terrible. Um. Oh, I want to know what that was. I was going to say the Kelpian that they ate. <laughs> Wasn't the Kelpian that they ate Saru? No, they didn't eat Saru. That was her slave. They just ate a random Kelpian. Mm, I have to go back and rewatch that. The, um, Mirror Stamets. <laughs> the one that got shot? Yep. Okay. Use your talent for getting things organized. He should have well, followed guess- that advice. His workbench was a mess. Yeah, and also maybe if he needed to, like, organize things before he died. Now nobody will be able to continue his work. Right. Okay, do you have any recommendations, Kate? I do, actually. Uh, This past weekend, I saw the movie uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower, which is the new not-Ghibli movie, and it was very, very good, and you should all see it. All right, I saw you tweeting about that, actually, and I was a little bit confused, but now I'm caught up. It's very good. Is it is it like in wide release or is it? Uh, it was playing because of the Vancouver Film Festival. Oh, okay. That's what I saw. But eventually, I suppose it'll be on DVD or whatever. And it's great that it's technically not Ghibli because that means Disney doesn't own it. So it was. I don't right. Know, I, so I was actually just for everybody out there who doesn't know a bunch of people who used to work for Studio Ghibli formed their own studio. And are basically making Studio Ghibli movies, but are no longer Studio Ghibli. And, but it's just as good. Cool. Cool. I know that some of our listeners do enjoy Studio Ghibli movies. Yeah. So, as do I. Now, is this for kids? Oh, yeah. It would be very enjoyable to kids. There's a little bit of scariness, I guess. It depends how old your kids are, I guess. But, like, no more than Spirited Away. Okay. But also very enjoyable for adults. And based on a book by Mary Stewart, who I love. Oh, really? Okay. That's cool. Um, I haven't read much of Mary Stewart aside from the Arthurian. And we're way on a tangent now, so I'm going to stop yeah, talking. We're way- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> um, So I do actually have a really quick recommendation as well. Because I discovered a new app for my phone called Flick. F-L-I-C. It's a photo organization app. I'm probably going to upgrade to the free version or to the paid version eventually, which costs two or three dollars, not a lot. But basically, it loads all your pictures and then you swipe left if you want to delete them and you swipe right to keep them. 
So for anyone who has kids or uses their phone a ton to take all sorts of random screenshots and pictures of products and things and like I do, um, it's really good. I believe when you get the premium version, it'll even prompt you once a month to sort through all of that month's photos and decide what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. Hmm. The free version lets you do 100 photos a day. So I am going through on the free version right now. And yeah, and it's really... instant while you're talking to me? That's no, weird. no. <laughs> Before we <laughs> recorded, I was. Um, and yeah, it's helping me just like weed out a lot of things because I take pictures of all sorts of random things and forget to delete them. That I take a lot of pictures of a lot of book covers that I mean to look into later. So that would actually be helpful for me. Yeah. And apparently, like, when you do go through in your batch and you're ready to delete, it, like, shows you them again in a grid to give you the option to, like, oh, no, actually, I didn't want to delete that one. I I flipped oh, the wrong cool. way and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I recommend that. I actually heard about it on another podcast called Happier. And, yeah. Okay. Are we ready to do this outro? Yes, we are ready for the outro. Okay. Thank you for listening. I've been Jen. And I've been Caitlin. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at acommandofherown at gmail.com or on Twitter at commandofherown. And we also are on Instagram, which is at instagram.com slash own. Is it slash own or slash own? Now I can't remember, but it's one of those. There'll be a link in the show notes. <laughs> that I've hopefully fixed the typo I had in there. Oh, dear. Thanks for pointing that out, Matthew. <laughs> I was just copying pasting Instagram.com every, every week. So that was great. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's that. Yes, I think that's, okay. that's that. We can say bye now. Thanks Bye. for listening, everyone. Bye. It did. And I also liked... No, I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> Okay. Yep. <laughs> My brain just stopped, I guess. Um, right. But yeah, I okay, let's do something better so I can edit that out. Um Okay. <laughs> <laughs>